This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Yes, good afternoon. It's lunchtime here on Leicester Fan TV. My name's Phil. Welcome to the show. Yesterday, we had Dean Hammond on with us, which was an excellent chat. If you haven't seen that, do go and watch it. The replays are on the website and on our YouTube channel. We are live streaming on Facebook and YouTube and Periscope and Twitter and everywhere. So today we are very, very lucky. We are joined by Simon Grayson, ex-Leicester City. I'm sure you all know Simon Grayson. Um, get your questions into him. He'll be joining us just in a couple of minutes. This is your Leicester Fan TV lunchtime show. Yes, as ever, people watching. And I can get your comments on screen as ever. Stephen Malt is there watching. Hi, Stephen. How are you? Reese? what would you like to ask Simon? Grayson, get your questions in. Stephen Payne, good afternoon to you. Uh, Matty Bond as well is watching to you as well. Uh, Liam Price has already got his first question in there. He says, what was your best moment, Simon, as a player? We'll certainly be asking that, Simon. But to introduce him, let's bring in Jamie from the Foxes. How are you, Jamie? Afternoon. How the devil is everyone? I'm good, thank you, Phil. Hope you're all well. Very good indeed. Come on then, Jamie. Let's introduce Simon Grayson. He doesn't need much introduction. Doesn't to be really fair. need much introduction at all, does it? It's Simon Grayson. I don't think he'll mind. He always used to be called Larry Grayson at the club when he was here. He came from Leeds in uh, March of '92. He was here for five years. He, went, he left in June of '97. Uh, he played 229 games and scored six goals. Um, he was the first captain to lift a trophy at Wembley for Leicester in the playoff final. He played uh, 10 out of the 12 games in the playoffs in the 90s. I think we were all at Wembley. I think most of us were at Wembley for them uh, four games. Uh, and he played in both the games against Bor in the League Cup final and got a winner's medal out of it. So I think we ought to bring him in and start asking him a few questions. There he is. Good afternoon. Afternoon, good Simon. Af- How are you? All good, thank you. Keeping safe, Simon, I hope, in lockdown? Yeah, trying to do. Um, 
trying to keep busy, bit of exercise, plenty of podcasts from different clubs that I've played for, managed. Um, <laughs> yeah, just trying to stay safe and make sure that we all get through this crazy time and uh, we, as many people can be safe and sound as possible. Fantastic. Jamie, do you want to kick us off with yes. your first question? The first question I'm going to ask is, how did Brian Little actually sell the club to you? When you when you're at Leeds, what did he say to you? Like, come on, Simon, you come and play for Leicester. He didn't really have to do anything like that because I was basically in around the first team at Leeds without really playing too much. Um, and there'd been talk about me coming to Leicester for two or three months. Uh, John Gregory, who was Brian's assistant, first team coach, was good friends with Bobby Davison, who was, I was at Leeds with. And he kept on always talking to him, saying, look, um, we want to sign Simon. We've just got to try and get the right um, time to do it. Um, and then eventually it came round. I was stood for Leeds on a Tuesday night at QPR. Next day, packing my bags, driving down the M1 to Leicester. Um, so I didn't need any any selling points whatsoever. I didn't care how much I was earning or doing this. Basically, said, you're going to come and, and contribute to a fantastic football club and get your career going, because that's all I needed to do. I needed to start playing first-team football. Um, and then, as it happened, 12 games later, after leaving Leeds to come to Leicester, we're in a playoff final or something like that. So, I mean, I mean, Leeds is obviously close, very, very close to your heart, Simon, being, I believe it's your boyhood club, isn't it? And obviously you played for them, managed them, but yet Leicester was a big temptation. Oh, without a shadow of a doubt, as you said there, for Leeds, it is my, my boyhood club and everything like that. Um, but I had to be think about the bigger picture and wanted to make a living in the game. I made my debut when I was 17 for Leeds and only played three or four more times since. Look, back in them days, it was one and two subs, not like today. Um, but ultimately, I needed to, to play football. And, and Leicester was a perfect fit for me, basically, um, a division below. But ultimately, we're in the round of playoffs, ready to try and get back into the into the, the top division. And um, and I knew Brian quite well anyway, because when I was playing in the youth team at Leeds, Brian was a youth team coach at Middlesbrough. And he kept an eye on all, all of us at that time. I think our youth team had myself, David Batty, Gary Speed and one or two others. So that was always um, his, his point of view was that he'd watched us a lot in the youth team and the reserves to, to realise that when we were ready to sign. Jamie, you say about the contract. You say about the contract talks was pretty easy. With you being a manager now and the contracts, then is it a huge difference in how you how they sign players back then to what it is now? Is it more agents now than it is just yourself? Well, put it like this: there's a lot more difference in terms of the, the numbers that are going around. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it wasn't anywhere near the level. I don't. I think you can probably knock a couple of zeros off the end of it, maybe more. Um, but basically, it was about playing football. Uh, my agent um, probably did the deal just over the phone, to be fair. He's probably spoke to uh, to Brian that way. Now, like you said, you're dealing with um, head of recruitment, chief executives, sporting directors. It's a lot more intense in terms of signing players. Um, but as I said before, it wasn't about any contract length money. It was about getting first-team football um, and, and making a career in the game. But... Uh, the, the 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 line now of get, getting players is so much longer and um, time consuming really and that's why as a manager as I've been for fifteen years I'm, it's good to move that onto somebody else because I don't I'm not really bothered about that side of it. <laughs> uh, there was a, so a question. There was a, oh, go on. There go was on, a question Jamie. Earlier, have you ever had a chance to manage Leicester, and would you do so if you ever got the chance? Uh, well, I'd certainly do it now, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
but I, I'm, I'm pretty sure Brendan's not going to be leaving anytime soon, so we'll just put that <laughs> to bed already. Um, there was a bit of a talk when I was at, Le- at Leeds at the time, um, and I can't remember who maybe left the club um, on a couple of occasions about maybe going back um, as a, to go back as a manager, um, but nothing c- came as a point of do you want this job um, if you were given it or anything like that. And, and, and ultimately as well, I was at Leeds managing there where I was really enjoying it. I, was, I really thought I could take Leeds to the Premier League and it would have been my, my dream to have done that. And secondary would have been to, to ever become the, the manager of Leicester because I've loved my time there as a player. I'd um, had a lot of contacts and close friends down there. So if that opportunity had ever come along, and I hadn't been at Leeds, then I certainly would have taken that opportunity. There's still time, Simon. Trust me, every time the manager's job, there's been a lot in the last 10 or 12 years at Leicester. Come and go. <laughs> Your name has been mentioned by fans many times as like, well, let's get somebody in who knows the club. Um, so who knows in the future if it might happen? Um, well, got... maybe, in a, maybe, in a, maybe an assistant manager's role or something like that. I'm, I'm easing down a little bit now. I'm in my 50s for retiring. <laughs> we've just brought tom in tom welcome to the show uh what what would you like to ask simon hey simon you uh got a lot of clubs promoted from league one uh but i just want your opinion on how good that team leicester had that got out of league one and you were at the close end of it when howard scored the winner in the game against Leeds. uh how good a team was that leicester team in that uh, league one title for in terms of when when we were in League One, I was managing or the team that I played in. Uh, in terms of when you were managing for Leeds United versus Leicester. All oh, right, yeah. Right. Look, my, my first game as manager for Leeds was against Leicester at Ellen Road, um, and it was an unbelievable experience. One going back to the club um, as a manager, but ultimately against my former club that I'd played for for over five years. Um, and they were they were a strong, powerful, well organised, well drilled team. Had goals in them. Howard, obviously, Steve Howard was obviously um, the main man up front. People like Lloyd Dyer, um, Paddy Kiznobo will have been, probably been playing around that time, maybe. Uh, I'm just trying to think some other players. Um, but it, Matty Fryer, was he there? Yes, yeah, he probably, yeah. Yes, he'll have been around at the time. Um, but it was, yeah, it was, I think, I think when any manager goes into Leicester, they, they realise what type of team that they have to put together. I think the fans love a team that will run through a brick wall for the football club and the shirt that they're putting on every week. But also they want to have one or two players that can really entertain, score goals. So if you can get the mixture right over the years, then you've got a great opportunity to be successful. And I think that's that's where you've seen the real successful teams that have got promotion, even winning Premier League titles, have had the mix of being a, a real steal about them, but also got some flair players as well. Simon, you played in, um, I mean, I'm old, well old enough to remember the 70s, the 80s, the 90s, right up to winning the Premier League. You played in a period for Leicester, which I would say is equal top with Leicester winning the Premier League in my books. The run of the playoffs and the cup win. I don't even know where to start and ask you about the playoffs. If we just take the playoffs, which one of those, because you played out of three out of the four of them, I believe, if my memory's right. Which which one stands out the most for you out of the playoffs? Well, and why? The yeah, there's got to be the Derby one, really. I, the Blackburn one was, like I said, 12, 13 games later from playing in Leeds Reserves and playing in the playoff final. But that one sort of passed me by. David Speedy obviously got a dubious <laughs> penalty in that first game. <laughs> he dived, Simon. Uh, don't, don't, don't say no more. Don't say no more. It was a dive. Yeah. 
Yeah, we all well, know it. Well, Scroll on now. Forget well. that one. Yeah, well, <laughs> then we found him as well, didn't we? Yeah. We did, yes. The, the second one, I wasn't involved in, um, but it was a remarkable game. And I started on telly the other day where we were 3-0 down and 3-3 three, three, and then lost 4-3. Why were you the not Derby in that one, one, Simon, just out of interest? Uh, I can't remember. Injured. Yeah, I think I've been injured, but I've been around the squad. Um, so it was just one of them occasions. I was subbing the semi-final um, against Portsmouth. And then we could only have two subs and Brian obviously chose somebody else. So um, yeah. it's just one of them things. But the third one, obviously, against Derby was um, basically they were the they were the real strong favourites for that. Yeah. They spent a lot of money on Gabardini, Johnson, Shaw and people like that. Um, and we we were sort of the underdogs without a shadow of doubt. And it, we were, to, to lead a team out at Wembley like I did on that particular day was very special moment and it was it was strange how it came about really that Walsh had had the captaincy taken off him because of um, a few a few should we say a few <laughs> red cards yeah. red cards possibly um, yeah so he had that taken off him and then I think Millsy was the next captain but he was injured and didn't play so then it was really sort of myself as Steve Agnew and Steve Agnew was um, sub on the day and I was left to start and, and lead the team out and then we, we, they were stronger than us. And I always remember that game that I could have got sent off after about 60 minutes. I brought Tommy Johnson down. He's clean on, clean through. And Roger Milford, the, the referee at the time, um, gave me a yellow card. And I was I was delighted. This day and age, I'd have been sent off without a shadow. Of that. There was no question of that. Um, I was definitely last man. But then you go and I've set up the, the, the second goal uh, for Ian Ormeride. Should have scored with a header. And then Walsh, um, stabs it in and has made a fortune out of that photograph. I don't think there's anybody <laughs> left in that. <laughs> I've got it. Yeah, I've, I think I've, I've got, got it somewhere as well, actually. Yeah. <laughs> and then and then to the, like, walk up the stairs was a fantastic feeling. Very proud moment uh, for my family, but for myself. And I've, obviously, I've gotten a, a regret on that day that going up the stairs a Leicester fan give me a beanie hat to put on and I've lifted the trophy the first captain to win it, lift the trophy at Leicester, for Leicester at Wembley has got a stupid beanie hat on so I've still got all the pictures Simon listen they were the best hats Leicester have ever yeah. had those beanie hats I had one we all were wearing them back in the 90s I get that I uh, don't mind that but now when I look at them it's like a bit strange to still be having that <laughs> Uh, you lifted that trophy first. That's all that matters. That's all that counts. It didn't matter what you look like. You lifted that trophy. No, exactly. It was a very proud moment. And um, and it, it was a lot of hard work because to have suffered the disappointment of the two years previously of losing in them finals was, was tough to take. Not just for players, but, but for the supporters who had spent a lot of money, gone through a lot of turmoil of um, suffering, of disappointment. Because you go there third time and everybody's like, oh, not this isn't going to be again. But... It was just a remarkable period, wasn't it? That it was three years on the trot, and then you go to the Premier League, and it's we get relegated. We weren't we weren't good enough to be in around it. We didn't have the money to invest, and then the following year we couldn't go to another playoff final again, didn't we? Yeah, the Palace one, which again yeah. was another sensational game, Simon. Um, these are the games that Leicester fans of our era just on, honestly talk about almost daily. Um, yeah. The Crystal Palace one, what what did you think when Spider Callick came on at the end of the game then? Well, has Martin been drinking? What did he do? 
it was like we were all quite stunned. And I think when I speak to some of the Palace lads from that day, they were. I think it affected them more than it did us because they're seeing this substitution of Pooley going off. I think it was. Yeah. And, and Spider coming on, who's six foot five, and everyone's going. I've never seen a manager make that sort of decision probably before or, or certainly afterwards. And to you could call it a, a stroke of genius because he was obviously thinking that it was going to go into the um, the penalty shootout and having somebody a lot taller than Pooley. But then all of a sudden, like people were distracted and then Claridge is it a, a shinner that has flown in the top corner. <laughs> he's lived off that shinner. He, he has, not he? He still claims that he's hit it sweetly. Well, no, he's <laughs> and he can probably say that it was a decent hit. Yeah, he certainly changed his tune on that, hasn't he? He, he does now, yeah. plus he says he wishes he'd never called it a shinner. But listen, it did, that moment did, Wembley famously stood still for a second when it hit the back of the net. As fans, we were all just stunned and lost the plot of it. But Tom, can I bring you back in with another question for Simon? Yeah, I was going to say, so you, you had your playing career and it was a fantastic playing career for Leicester and you won some trophies and everything. What made you go down the line of becoming a coach and a manager? What Did you know that was something you wanted to go into from being the playing days or was it something that happened after? I think it's like any player, you're getting sort of, how old was I, probably 30, knowing that you've got probably five, six years left as playing. You all start then doing your badges and it's then do you feel comfortable in, in what you're doing? And I, I was playing at Blackpool in the first team. Um, then got the opportunity to stay on and, and still play, but take the reserves at the same time. So it was a natural, it was a nice progression for me to learn my trade a little bit. Um, as I said, doing all my badges. And then then it came to a point, I think I was 35 and uh, got offered a job as a first team coach with a friend. And I, and I thought I was ready for packing in. I was ready to see if I could go down the line of being a coach. Went to see Colin Hendry, who was a manager at the time, told him what I wanted to do. And he said, look, it's fine with me. Just go and see Carl Oyston. So I went to see Carl Oyston, who was the owner at the time. Told him exactly what I was wanting to do, thinking they'd just say yes. And he said, no. And I said, Carl, why? He says, well, I'm sacking Colin Hendry and you're taking over as caretaker manager. <laughs> and, <laughs> and so there was, it was... I always thought it was going to be a progression of being a first-team coach assistant and then just see where it took me as a manager. But ultimately, I got thrown into the job very quickly. And um, then it was about, do I sink or swim? Do I want to do this? Do I want to not do this? Um, but I felt very quickly that I was quite comfortable in what I was looking to do. I got plenty of experience around me in terms of um, Tony Parks, ex-Blackburn um, manager, coach. Yeah came as my assistant and and helped me along the way. Um, so it was, yeah, so it was one day I'm in a dressing room with teammates who were good friends of mine and the next day I'm probably dropping them for the next game. End of that season, not, not extending contracts, but it, I knew I had to be ruthless if I wanted to succeed. Yeah. Jamie? I mean, yeah, on that point about being at Blackpool, Ross has asked a question. Uh, what was it like working under Oyston at uh, Blackpool? Was it difficult as well? It looked like from the outside. I think back then I had an experience of being um, seeing things as a player and as a reserve team coach through different managers. So I'd see what they were all going through. And I knew, I got to understand and I knew how Carl worked um, over the years of being there, the three years I was there playing. That I knew that I knew that he'd like to sort of win a war as such in terms of when you're going to ask things. So ask for things. So I knew if I wanted 10 things, uh, sorry, if I wanted three things, I would ask for 10. 
because then I'd get the three things as I walked out of a meeting. Carl got the seven more that he thought he'd won the war, when really I'd got the <laughs> stuff that I wanted. And I won <laughs> so it was all about understanding of him. But the one thing that I did look at Carl was he'd given him my opportunity to start with, and he never interfered into football. And that's why he, he, he was good to a certain point. They just let you get on. He didn't sort of want it to know why you're doing this, why you're doing that, which is quite the norm at this moment in time with football that people like to know reasons, have a little bit of an input, potentially try and pick your teams and stuff like that. But Carl was good that respect. Of course, he, he wasn't held in great light towards the end of his years. Because of... Hey, up. Sorry. Sorry, that's... James phone texting. Sorry, sorry. Sorry, well, sorry about that. Carry on. <laughs> no, no, Sorry. But then at the back end of his time there, he wasn't investing money and it all went a little bit pear-shaped in terms of the relationship that he had with the, the supporters and ultimately they left and a new one came in. Um, but to be fair, I can't fault him too much because he gave me my opportunity to uh, to be managing still now 15 years later. Simon, just uh, pulling it back, a few people have been asking, what's uh, what was the difference between playoff finals and then the League Cup final? Was it a different experience as a player? I always felt as a fan, there was more pressure on the playoff finals because the whole of the rest of the next 12 months of our spectating was relying on this playoff final. Um, and I enjoyed the League Cup finals a little more. What was it like as a player? Yeah, I would say the same because you'd worked so hard. It's like when people ask me what are the best moments I've had in my career as a manager. I always say, like when people talk about the we beat Manchester United at Old Trafford when I was Leeds manager, but yeah. getting promotion over the course of a season is something that you've set out in pre-season to achieve. And that's what we're trying to do And that, uh, as a player when we're at Leicester. The, th the previous two years was massive disappointment for everybody. So I think the playoffs had more significance because it was going to define where you're going to be for the next year or so. And, tech, and you could take things from there, really. And and you look at the, play the, um, the, the, the League Cup final, it was... We were playing against a good team in Middlesbrough, but we, we we had some good players. We had more talented players than people give us credit for at that time. Um, but it was really sort of a, the early rounds of the League Cup was mix and match the teams. Um, and then once we got to the latter stages, um, then it was all about, well, you know something, we could actually get to the final and maybe win this competition. You didn't score many goals, Simon, but somebody's reminded us of your Coca-Cola League Cup semi-final goal. Pleased with that one? Uh, yeah, mate. Yeah, I might just be able to remember that one as well. Yeah. <laughs> Go on, talk us through it then. Well, it's, it's, we, I was playing left back at the time um, because um, Guts was uh, cup tied. Um, oh, yeah, no, we play, I was playing left wing back or left back. I can't remember if we played or four or three to be fair at the time. But but um, I don't know how I was ended up how I ended up in the box because look, I used to just stay back on most of the set pieces, but. Somehow I must have ended up there. We got a free kick and I was on my way back and probably didn't get back in time. I thought oh, I might as well stay up for this free kick. <laughs> and uh, and Parks could always put things into a good area. And we were we were a strong, powerful team in terms of aerially walking yes. and people like that could go and attack it. And I just remember it. It was flying over the top end um, over most people. And I just timed my run quite well to be fair and shut my eyes heading it over Neil Sullivan and it's at the back of the net and it was sort of it was it was weird it took a sort of a few minutes for me to actually 
um, realised that I'd actually scored a goal, um, turned away to celebrate, and everybody thought I'd just been the Klinsman, but I didn't. I just felt <laughs> amazed because I had no energy left in <laughs> I think, was it a one-all draw and we went through on away yeah. goals? Yeah, and I always remember Claridge. And this is how strikers think, right? Claridge said to me, he says, you need it to finish 1-1 because you're going to get all the headlines tomorrow. You don't need it to be 2-1 because somebody's going to take the glory away from you. And this is during the game. Claridge is telling me, we'll just take the draw and you're going to get all the credit for this. And I'm like, well, if, 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 I'll take that if it means us getting through. But that was just... Uh, Selfish, not selfishness, but how strange yeah, yeah. thought. Well, he's sort of right because 23 years later we are talking about it. So. Yeah, no, I, I'm quite happy for it to finish 1 1. Don't worry about that. <laughs> Tom, can I bring you I back think... in? Oh, well, yeah. Uh, who was the best player you played with at Leicester and who was the joke of the dressing room? Um, I think I think what we tried to do when we we're in the spells, especially the good spell of that Premier League spell. Um, and the promotion the year before, we had some real, we were a tight group, which we were right the way through that period. We all socialised together. We all stuck together on the pitch. When things were going off in tunnels and that, we were all there for each other, looking after each other. Um, but I think you can look at different types of players, that the more talented ones, like Muzzy was a fantastic technician, talented player, Lennon would dominate a midfield. But I think over the period of time, somebody who played with a lot of, times together was Walshy obviously would dominate both boxes, um, run through a brick wall, suffered a lot of injuries, um, but could finish a goal, finish chances as well, because remember that sort of the Derby playoff final leading up to that, he went to play centre forward and, and scored a lot of goals, which allowed us to get to the final. So um, Wal Walshy's up there, but then you've got the, the raw talent of Julian Jorkson was a fantastic young player when he came yeah. through. Emil obviously was 18, 19 when he burst on the scenes. And look, there's going to be a couple of players. Gulch could put a, a cross on a sixpence as well and, and other lads as well. So I'm going to probably miss a few. But I think if you was to say through the whole period of me being at Leicester, I think Walshie would be somebody that you would say, right, he would do anything for you, but could play as well. So t who was the nightmare in the dressing room, Simon, as in playing jokes and... Oh. Uh... To, to be fair, Pat is a bit lively. Gary yeah. Was, yeah. He, That's... He, he was, he was, how, how he became an assistant manager at Leonard that tells us I never know. Because Pat hasn't got any seriousness in him. He, he would just do stupid things that, um, we, I remember, I remember we would like on a Tuesday once, we went out on an afternoon drinking, which we did in them days, but we trained hard and worked hard as well and, and played hard. Yeah. And we remember going out in the afternoon and we went to, I think it was Crystal's on a Tuesday night and Pat all of a sudden <laughs> said, watch this. And we're all like stood watching him and he went and did a cleansman across a dance floor, took about 20 people out and just got up and walked <laughs> off. And it was like... That, that was... And it, it, just different things. He would, he would sort of... He would, he had um, a real dry sense of humour, but he was very cutting with stuff as well. He could pe put people down without a shadow of a doubt. But uh, great lad to have around the place and a real talented player. Yeah, he was a great player. Simon, have you seen him with his massive beard recently? Yeah, yeah. I've Going on there. A game not so long ago. Yeah, he's... Yeah, well, that's just part of it. I bet you don't give him no stick about it. Well, it, no, I can't do because what he'll do is says I'll shave it off and you can put it on top of your head, can't you? 
<laughs> Jamie? I was, yeah, I was going to ask one. It's just literally at the, at the start of your career, when you started at Leicester, you had the, the old members stand at Filbert Street. And then a couple of years later, you had the Carlin stand was built. Did that make a big difference on the way the way the pitch performed or the way that you played because there was a bit more of an atmosphere or less of an atmosphere with the Carlin stand? Well, it was it was all strange, wasn't it? Because of sort of how the old ground was, as it, as Filbert Street was originally when I first went there, it was it was unique, but it was also great because people were quite close on top of you. You know what I mean? Remember playing Newcastle last game of the season when Newcastle needed to win mm. um, to to stay up. I think it was under Kevin Keegan, and yeah. I was taking a throw in on the other side. Um, the far side where the away supporters were. And, and I think you used to have to go through somebody's back door to get into that side yeah. of the ground. Yes, you did. Yeah. You did. Yes, you did, yeah. Literally. <laughs> and, and I always remember thinking with two minutes to go with that side, Newcastle fans are running up and down. The, they didn't want any the scoreline to change. And I'm like thinking, I need to get off this pitch pretty sharpish because these lot are going to be running on. So... <laughs> <laughs> we got throwing in the last minute right in front of them. And I just said to Jimmy Willis, I think he was playing right centre-back, I said, look, you've got a longer throw from than me. You take this throw and stick it down the line and I'll go to centre-back. Well, Jimmy did realise that as soon as he threw it, the whistle went. I was running down the tunnel and all the Newcastle fans were running on and he was stuck amongst them. <laughs> <laughs> The, the Carlin stand was obviously the start of the club developing, and and but it did sort of have that that real old feel to it, didn't it? And obviously now you have got the King Power is a completely different level, and and if the stadium gets developed, it's going to go to a different level completely, isn't it? Simon, yeah. we've we've pretty much got to wrap up now. I've just got one last question. It's a question we've been asking a lot of players, um, and it affects Leicester and it affects Leeds, obviously one of your ex clubs and football in general. How do you think? the season should be wrapped up? Obviously, safety in mind for spectators, players and everybody, but how would you like to see it wrapped up to a conclusion? Well, like you said, it's got to, it's got to be the health and safety of everybody that matters first and foremost. But ultimately, I think the season should finish no matter how it happens. Yes, there's going to be complications with it, but why not deal with next season when it comes around? There's going to be too many issues with people, promotions, relegations, European places. And if you, you end it and there's so much uncertainty left around, then there's going to be court cases, there's going to be this, there's going to be that. So do, let's do whatever we can to do to finish the season. And next season can take care of itself, get rid of the League Cup or something like that, add an extra weeks into the, to the, to the programme. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Like, like I've been saying. Most people have said as long as it's all health, as long as it's down to the health side of it first, that's all that matters, really, isn't it? And next season definitely. can wait until next season starts. Yeah, definitely. Fantastic, Simon. Um, hopefully, do you think? Uh, well, we'd like to see you in a managerial role somewhere, whether it's wherever it is. Do you think that's on the card still going forward? Is that the dream? Uh, yeah, yeah. Look, I've done nearly seven hundred games as a manager, and maybe mm. it'd be fantastic if I can get to. A thousand, which would be sort of some some doing. Uh, it's going to be a few more years to, to do that. Um, so yeah, I've still got the drive, the ambition to be a manager still, and the last couple of jobs haven't quite worked out. But that's through different reasons. Um, I've got four promotions and been successful. So yeah. yeah, I've still got the hunger and desire to do it at whatever level, whether it's home or abroad. Um, wait and see. But I'd, uh, yeah, of course, I've got fire in my belly still because it's a game. Football's all I know. I've done it since I was 16, so 34 years now of 
over 500 games as a player, nearly 700 as a manager. It's I'm not sure what else I can do, to be fair. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's been brilliant. Thanks, thanks again for joining us, Simon. Cheers, Simon. Worries. Thank you. Much appreciated. Cheers. Stay safe, everybody. Thank you. Good luck in the future, Simon. And it's been an absolute pleasure and an honour to speak with you. Cheers. It has. Cheers, Simon. Thank you. Another good one, Phil. Another good chat. Again, another big hero because I know know a lot of people will say like the Premier League is like the ultimate, which it is. But for me, that, that period back then in the 90s, is just, oh, yeah. I would say probably my favourite game ever is the 94 playoff final. It just had everything. Against Derby. Yeah. yeah, including the fact that it yeah. was Derby. The 96 one was amazing. Winning the League Cup was great, but 94, play, that silence of the lambs I think, just was I think the 94 perfection. one was the build-up, wasn't it? You had the Blackburn, then you had Swindon the year, two years previously, yes. and then the Derby one. It built up to be really big, didn't it? Unfortunately, it was the relegation in between, but it, it just, I mean, the Derby one is one, you really talk about a lot because it was against Derby. Yeah, it's, it's against a rival. They were the bigger team at the time, the better players. Nobody, I don't think, quite expected us to do it. Just a sensational period of Leicester's history. So fantastic. Thanks, oh, yeah. Jamie, again for yeah. sorting that yeah. one out. I, I must, I tell you what, Phil, I love having these players on. I think it's fantastic. Just to come and give us a half hour of the time, it's uh, absolutely I, so fantastic. We're very me. lucky. Thanks for joining us, Jamie. I'll wrap up now. So, see you later. Thank- Thanks to Jamie. Thanks to Tom. Thanks, of course, to Simon Grayson for giving us his views on everything to do with Leicester City and managering. Thanks for all your comments. We've tried to get as many questions in to Simon as possible. Don't forget, go and follow us. We're on we're Leicester Fan TV at uh, which is on Twitter, Periscope, YouTube, Instagram, Facebook. You name it, we're on there. Even on LinkedIn for those of you in the business world. So thanks. Go and follow us there. Like and share the videos. And thanks, of course, to the guys who help bring us all this tech and you know who they are so go and support them my name's phil this has been a leicester fan tv lunchtime special we'll see you tomorrow when we have got paul koncheski on with us so keep tuned and keep watching leicester fan tv cheers Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Botox Cosmetic, out botulinum toxin A. FDA approved for over 20 years. So talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.